0: Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening.
1: welcome to this time together with Bridgewater Church and all of our family and friends. Wasn't that a great video? I think all of us need to possibly rethink going to our mom and dads and saying, mom and dad, will you forgive me? I know. I know I had some things I needed to talk to my parents over time as I got older. And parenting isn't easy. In fact, I think parenting is even harder for younger families in this world that we live in today. I was looking at some statistics about the family, and honestly, I'm in shock. Now, the first one I want to give you is is great. 80% of parents believe parenting is rewarding and enjoyable. I am a little bit concerned about the other 20%. The average American family spends less than 40 minutes together Monday through Friday. Imagine. The average TV video screen time per day in America is 3 hours and 16 minutes. Now we're spending less than 40 minutes together Monday through Friday, but every day 3 hours and 16 minutes on average is spent uh, TV video screen time. That's crazy. 76% of parents are concerned their children will struggle with anxiety and depression. 98% of parents pri- prioritize financial stability and job satisfaction as the greatest concern for their children when they reach adulthood. But look at this last gap. Only 35% of parents believe That it's important for their children to share their religious beliefs. Wow. No wonder the families in America are struggling. The the desire to put our families in the hands of God is consistently decreasing. But all of the problems and struggles families are having are increasing. And that's why the next three weeks, I want to dive into a series called uh, Family Matters. I want to dive into this series, Family Matters, and I want to talk about three areas of our family that I think if we concentrate and understand, God will bless and encourage and do incredible things in us and through us, but in this first message, it sets the stage. We have to fight for our families. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. It comes out of 1 Samuel, beginning in chapter 2. I'll, I'll admit, we're going to cover a lot of ground this morning. We're going to read a lot of Scripture and cover a lot of ground. But the reason I'm going to tell you this story in, in its entirety is because of the impact it has. And I'll just spoil the word. I'm I'm going to tell you right up front. This story is not uh, positive, and it does not have a happy ending. It's about Eli the priest, his two sons, uh, Phineas and Hophni, and a young boy in their their home that Eli the priest is raising, and his name is Samuel. It's actually a blended family. And there is incredible dysfunction in this family. And what I want to spend the next few minutes, 30 minutes, doing together is literally unpacking the scripture and asking the question, what should Eli, as a dad, as a father, what should he have done differently in his home? How should he have been willing To fight for his family. So I'm just going to camp out here in in this teaching style for the message today. And I'm going to try to break this down into bite sized pieces, but just hang on. We're going to uh, really be on a roller coaster ride. And we're going to learn together how to fight for our families because family matters. So let's get started. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Now it was the practice of the priest that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come with a three pronged pork in his hand while the meat was being boiled, and would plunge the pork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. Whenever the pork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first, and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now if you do not take it by force this sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt now if we're going to fight for our families here's our first insight wake up and stay alert i don't know about you but i would not want the first words that were written about my family for all of history to come out as my children were scoundrels. Think Think about this. Eli's sons were known as such evil young men that there was no question that they were scoundrels. Now, specifically, how did that happen? Eli was a priest. He was the high priest over Israel appointed by God and his family line had been hundreds of years coming to this point, and Eli was raising up his sons to be priests. The problem was that this dad had checked out. The struggle really was that Eli had stopped paying attention and his sons were involved in intimidating people to take the raw meat they wanted when people would come to sacrifice at God's, at God's temple. Or that actually was the tent of meeting at that time in Shiloh. Now, the way it showed was that when the meat was put in the cauldron or pot, it was boiled, and a special fork that had been created during the lifetime of Moses when the temple, or the tent of meeting, was, was made, this, this was a special fork that they were to bring the meat up out of the pot. And then, whatever uh, boiled meat would come up, that would be the portion for the priest and his family. Well, Eli had stopped coming to the people and sent his sons as the priests and representatives. But they were such scoundrels that they were intimidating people and saying, give us the raw meat. We're not putting in the pot. People knew the law of Moses. And when they disagreed, without any question, these young men would take it by force. They weren't even using the bronze uh, fork in any way. All ritual and God-ordained Uh, methodology and and, and aspects of the law were being ignored. Now there was something else going on too. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2 verses 22 through 25. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the temple. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. Now, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender, but if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for that? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for the Lord's will to put them to death. Wow! How? How did this all happen? Not only were they stealing meat and intimidating people, but they were sleeping with the women who served at the tent of meat. Eli doesn't realize it himself. He has to hear about it from other people. And when he does, did you catch what what, what he did? He said, why do you do such things? Well, what kind of discipline is that? That's like a That's like a band-aid. Long before Eli asked the question, why do you do such things, he had checked out as a dad. He neglected to see the beginnings of the sin of his sons and his family, to the point that God determined the only way to take care of the problem was to put the voice to death. It's horrible. It's horrible. My mind went racing to the New Testament. Paul wrote to Timothy as the early church was being born. He said that an elder or a deacon must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Folks, here's what I'm I'm really getting at. We have to wake up and stay alert. If we're going to fight for our families. We have to wake up and stay alert to what is going on. Now, we don't have the ability as parents when our kids leave the desk to make decisions for them. And if they Go off the path, which statistics are showing young people are doing in incredible numbers. When they walk away from God, we can't literally make them come back to God, but we have to wake up and stay alert and be able to speak into their lives, whether they're children in our homes or adults. If not, when our children get off the path, we shouldn't scratch our heads and say, how did it all happen? Instead, especially while your children are under your roof and under my roof, what we have to be willing to do is to say we're going to follow God. As for me and my house, as Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. Eli neglected all of this. Hebrews 12-11 is a verse worth reading also in the New Testament. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Folks, please hear me when I say this. Discipline your children when you have the ability. And even when they get older and they're walking off the path and walking away from God, don't stop, don't hesitate to walk into their lives and lovingly explain to them that you're praying for them. They need to walk onto the path again with God. Because if not, our families are going to struggle. We have to wake up and stay alert. In fact, I believe God gave a young Samuel to the entire home of Eli by by giving this young boy who had been uh, he was Hannah had come this was Samuel's mom Hannah had come dedicated Samuel uh, to to God and left her boy Samuel to be raised like Eli And you're saying, how how could that even be if Eli's sons were so evil and sinful? Why would God place this young boy Samuel in Eli's home? 1 Samuel 2.26 says this, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. I really believe that God put Samuel in that home to remind Eli that his entire family at one point could have been saved. If Eli would have just decided to wake up and become alert. God, God can always bring us back on the path. And I believe Samuel was listening to what God was saying and we need to do the same. Even our young children can hear the voice of God. And we need our entire families, our entire homes to wake up and stay alert. Well, let's move to the to, to the second part of this story. And I want to read just one verse to get started. 1 Samuel 227. Now, a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? Now, we're going to dive in more, but I want to give you the second insight if we're going to fight for our fans. We have to actually listen to God's wisdom. This is a hard one for all of us, guys. Everyone needs to, to, to just take a deep breath and remember that God is a God of grace. Because there are many times that God speaks to us about our families, about our relationship with Him, our need to be more committed and sold out to God. I believe God speaks to all of us about that. And honestly, we at times, ignore what God is saying to us. We don't actually listen to God's wisdom. But today is about learning from the mistakes of Eli and our own mistakes. And we need to actually listen to God's wisdom. And specifically, what happens in this next part of the story is that God sends a Voice in, in, in an unknown name, a messenger comes to deliver God's burden. And it's, it's really God's credited I want you to think about this. The man says to Eli, did I not clearly reveal myself? Let's, let's really grab that. Let's wrap our minds around. God had been revealing himself to Eli again and again. God had been trying to move Eli back on the path over and over. But instead of leaning into God and drawing near to God, Eli was walking away. The more sin his sons committed, the less willing Eli was to actually listen to God's wisdom. So finally, God sends a man, a messenger, and he says, uh, you've had an entire history. All the way from the exodus of Israel out of Egypt, you've had an entire uh, history to lean on Eli, and realize how important your ministry is to God's people. You're not just representing yourselves but you represent God. And what I'm going to do is, I want to actually read the next part of this story. And I'm going to pull out three specific ways we need to actually listen to God's wisdom. As, as parents, as caregivers, I'm going to show you three ways that we can choose to listen to God's wisdom so that God can bless us. Let's start with verses 28 through 29. This is the messenger again. I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestor's family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you swear my sacrifice, an offering that I prescribed for my father, why do you honor your sons more than me? By fattening yourselves in the choice parts of every offering made by my people this way. Okay. If we're going to authentically listen to God's wisdom, we must listen to God and put him first. This is hard. Eli refused to put God first. He put his voice first. And notice there's a phrasing in the passage I just read. The messenger said, For God, you're all fattening yourselves. Eli was eating the meat he knew not to eat. He had been priest for years. High priest of the nation. He knew what meat was acceptable to his family and what wasn't. God was very specific. You and I need to realize God is very, very specific about things that He has told us. And we need to listen to God and put Him first. I'm not here to criticize anyone, but I want to encourage you as parents, especially with young people in your home. Can I make the decision many, many years ago, when we were raising our children, that nothing would come in the way of our children being in church and serving in God's house? That was a hard thing. Our children were involved in sports and in the arts. And there were several times where I heard my own children say, I'm not gonna be able to play that game. I'm not gonna be able to uh, sing in this particular event because they realized how important it was to put God first. And it was difficult. Parents, you got some tough decisions. You've got some very difficult things to teach your children. But I'm going to actually remind you of this. You cannot ever outgive God or outlove God. And that's what we're responsible to teach our children. We need to listen to God and put Him first because that's when God will bless in ways that are just mind-blowing. But we have to authentically listen to God and put Him first. Now, here's another lesson under this same teaching look at first samuel 2 30-33 therefore the lord the god of israel declares i promise the members of your family would minister before me forever. but now the lord declares far be it from me those who honor me i will honor and but those who despise me will be disdained. the time is coming when i will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age. And you will see distress in my dwelling. Although God will be, be although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family lying will reach, ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare, only to destroy your sight and sacrifice, and all your descendants will die in the province. And I'm, I'm shaking my head. If we're going to authentically listen to God and and follow God's word, we have to listen to God and do the right thing. We have to actually do the right thing when we're confronted. And and honestly, God got to the point with Eli that it was like, I've given you enough opportunities. I've tried to communicate to you. I've tried to reach your family. But you won't fight for your faith. He's saying to Eli, you you didn't listen and do the right thing. And now the verdict is sad. Not one of his descendants will actually reach old age. Let alone the fact that none of his family after years and years of serving in this incredible opportunity as priests before God, that too will be covered. What does it mean to listen to God and to absorb His wisdom and do the right thing? Honestly, parents, let me just teach right now and and encourage you. The small things that God is asking you to do in your family, with your kids, just do them. Whatever God is saying to you with your children, do them. Don't let other things get in the way of making God a priority in your family. Because you and I have no idea. What's going to happen is our children leave the nest. We want to send God with them. We don't want generation after generation after generation to think there is no God. And that's what the statistics are proving. You and I literally need to be faithful to God right now. And when our babies are small, do the right thing. Teach them about Jesus. Help them find Christ as their Savior. I understand the plan of God for their lives. No, it's not popular. But we have to listen to God, absorb His wisdom, and do the right thing. And I want to encourage you do it now. And if you have children that are older, don't hesitate when they're off the path to go and talk to them and remind them how they were raised. Train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And when they're older, they won't. Apart from it It doesn't mean they won't get off the path, but you've got to keep talking. You have to keep encouraging. You have to keep leaning in. Not arguing, not debating, loving, and gracefully telling your children, when they're babies all the way up to when they're adults, we need to listen to God and do the right thing. And then there's one more teaching in this portion. Look at it. chapter 2, verses 34 through 36. And what happens to your two sons, Hoppy and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and clean. Appoint me to some priestly office so that I can have to you. Here's our third teaching listen to God and leave a legacy God can bless. You. Listen to God and leave a legacy that God can bless. You. Basically, what happens here, God says to Eli, through this unknown messenger, your sons are going to die on the same day.
0: But I'm going to raise
1: someone else up in your stead, and that someone will be Samuel. Now, it might be tempting to say, "God, God is being too harsh." us to understand that God loves us so much that he doesn't have any other choice but to allow our free will to be a part of the story. And Eli had decided God really, God didn't really care what he was doing, but he did. And ultimately, He was leaving a legacy that was negative. Do you realize that? You and I will leave a legacy, positive or negative. I've seen it way too many times when I've been at a funeral, where people all of a sudden want to care about the legacy of a person who's already passed. And they talk as if. There's a way to go back. There's no way to go back. We're going to leave a legacy, positive or negative. We're either going to put our faith in God, or we're not. We're either going to trust God. With all of our hearts that need on, not in our own understanding, but in all our ways of acknowledge Him, or we won't. Please hear me. If we're going to fight for our families. We need to authentically listen to God's word, and we need to listen to God, and leave a legacy that God can bless. Now I want to finish out the story. And we're going to have to hurry through a larger block of scripture. But if you and I are on the same page, we're asking, so what did happen to Eli and his boys? Did what the messenger say actually come true? Let's dig in. To about uh, 12 verses of scripture. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hopi and Phinehas, died. That same day, a Benjamite ran from the battle line and went to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road watching because his heart feared for the ark of God. When the man entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town set up a cry. Eli heard the outcry and asked, What is the meaning of this uproar? The man hurried over to Eli, who was 98 years old and whose eyes had failed so that he could not see. He told Eli, I've just come from the battle line. I fled from him in this very day. And Eli asked, "What happened, my son?" The man who brought the news replied, "Israel fled before the Philistines, and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, are dead, and the ark of God is in capture." When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair to the side of the his dad was broken and he died, for he was an old man. And listen to this, don't miss this. And he was heavy. He had led Israel 40 years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. As she was dying, the women... Attending her said, don't despair, you have given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel. Because of the capture of the ark of God, and the death of her father and her husband. She said, the glory has departed from Israel. And the ark of God has been captured. We're going to fight for our families. Here's our third insight. Always be prepared to fight for your family. Be prepared. Be ready to fight before you actually have to. Fight every day for your family and your children. Don't just let things slide. When we have the ability to speak wisdom and grace into these things, don't just give up on them. And I'm, I'm blown away by what was taking place in this story. In fact, let me break it down for this for you in two ways. Here's the first. We must prepare to fight for your family's future. Prepare to fight for your family's future right now. You're saying, but I'm in the present. Well, the present is shaping the future for your family, for my family. Let's fight for it didn't. Thousands of people in Israel died because of Eli's and his son's unfaithfulness. And the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God symbolizing at that time God's very presence was captured. And the presence and the glory of God was now gone from all of Israel. Please hear me when I say this to you. You have no idea the influence that your family can have for God and his kingdom. Not just on your own children, but on an entire world. That your your family is already a part of Eli was so unconcerned about even what the messenger told him. If you were to go back in that scripture, you would just hear Eli say to the messenger, As God has said, let it be so. Eli! That wasn't his. And he was old and he was blind, that his chair fell over, he broke his neck, and he died. And that was the end of his family's legacy of service before God. Now, now let's let's make this a positive. Let's turn this into something beautiful this morning. Fight for your family's uh, future. Don't give up when you're tired, and, and I know you are, and, and the world around us is falling apart, and, 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 and so many people are falling away from God. You can choose to put your trust in God, and that brings me to this last piece. If we're going to always be prepared to fight for our families, we have to prepare to fight for your family's divine favor. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it wonderful to realize that God had placed a young boy named Samuel as a seat of hope in Eli's house. But honestly I think it broke God's heart that it was Eli and his boys that did not give God the opportunity to bless with his divine favor. Did you hear how I said that? We can remove God's opportunity for a blessing and his favor if we're not careful. Because we want to go our own way and do our own thing. We need to prepare to fight for our family's divine. Be prepared. Don't don't give in. I was recently blessed over the last year that a young man, a young teenager in our ministry. His name is Joey. He's very involved with his family and the life of our church. He's involved in youth, ministry, but one day he came to me and he said, Pastor said, I know that you, you are an Eagle Scout. And I, I, I am an Eagle Scout. And he said, I'm preparing to get my Eagle Scout rank the highest that he can achieve. And he said, would you help me? And I was flattered. And Joey and I met together and we talked. Joey brought leadership to uh, or a team of set designers he helped to build one of our sets that we used last year and what was incredible was to watch this young man do the thing that you're always taught in scouts to do be prepared and I was thinking about how Joey the other night just, just a couple weeks ago he texted me a picture that he had passed, he had fulfilled all his requirements, and he now has achieved the right of Eagle Scout. So proud of that. And I'm honored and just humbled that I could be a part of it. But you know what I really think? I give credit to his mom and dad for raising him in the life of the ministry of God's church, and instilling in them how important it is to follow God. And if you add that other scouting dimension of being prepared, Joey has an incredible future in the
0: front of him,
1: And so do all of you. If all of us will choose to be prepared today, God will bless in ways that we can't imagine and dream And I know this is a tough story. It is, it's really a name. It's more of a name. And I know that the preaching today has been a little longer, but I think this story can give us a reset with God. Because God wants to bless us more than we could ever dream possible. But what we have to do is fight for it. This morning, can I do this? Would you allow me the pleasure and the privilege of praying for your family right now? Let's all bow our heads, and I want you to think specifically about your family, your spouse, your children, your parents, your, your nieces, your nephews. Think about your immediate thing and I want us to pray together, that God would help us to put our faith in. God, it's not too late. It's not too late to change. It's not too late to go in a new direction and give you the ability all the honor, all the praise that your family might this family you've created that we might follow you so that you can bless us with your faith. You want to you long to bring transformation and change. And God, these parents that are raising kids, young to teenagers and beyond, God, give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, to wake up and stay alert. Help us, Lord, to authentically listen to your word. God, help us to always be prepared to fight for our in your name. So God, please, Forgive us for the times we you fall short. Help us. Help us, God, to put all of our trust in you. It's in Jesus' great, wonderful name that we pray. And trust our families. I love all of you so much. Your family has a great future. by for it. Don't let the world around you change what you believe and what you know true and until we see each other
0: again take care hey friends thanks for listening and if you want to be a part of our e family then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our youtube page you can also join us on social media and if you'd like to support the ministry then just click the link to give we're so grateful for all of our partners, and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast, and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.